Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. Great. We'll be reading from just a short passage from the end of Matthew 11, and then I'll invite Lars up. Just to say, if you're new to Christianity or the Bible, you don't have a Bible of your own. Um, now, if you want to awkwardly do it right now, you can. You can do it at the end of the service as well. Um, over there next to the Get Connected Zone is a trolley with Bibles on. Those are free to take. You can take one for yourself. We will try and top them up every week. So do, um, do take one of those if you don't have a Bible of your own. Reading from Matthew chapter 11, it says this, starting at verse 27. All things have been handed over to me, this is Jesus speaking, by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's just pray for a second. Lord, please reveal to us. Reveal to us what you want us to see and to feel from this message today. Empower Lars, fill him with your spirit, and Lord, open all of our eyes to the truth, the truth that changes our insides, so that we would follow you with this extra light yoke, not the heavy one of the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I just want to welcome Lars. Lars is here with Meta, his wife. These guys joined us for a staff retreat. They are part of the senior leadership team at Christchurch London. Um, Lars and Meta joined us for a uh, staff retreat, and it was just an amazing time where they ministered to us. We felt extremely blessed at the end of it, and these guys have been um, pivotal. Pivotal. <laughs> Don't try words you haven't prepared. Very important in um, setting up, launching what is the Steps course. Many people here have done the Steps course. Um, it is a superb course that allows people to really focus on certain things and really break free and really uh, free and um, really see transformation in their lives. We've run it two years in a row with multiple groups um, and it has been life-changing for those who've done it and I know it's gone worldwide as well. So um, they're an amazing couple. They're here to minister to us. So please let's receive them extremely well as Lars comes to speak to us. Thank you so much, Andy. What a lovely introduction. I think I will bring you with me everywhere I go. <laughs> it's really good to be with you guys today. We have really been looking forward to it. Um, we have the privilege of knowing some of you through uh, the Steps Ministry, and also it was such a wonderful time last year. Uh, with your group of leaders, Meta and I really enjoyed it and we felt so encouraged actually when we drove home from that day. Such warmth, such love, 
such maturity and uh, we felt ministered too as we were driving home. So, and in a way, I feel the same just by being here with you guys today. Isn't it lovely? Can meet here, be together, be ourselves, be relaxed and sense the presence of God in this room, praise him, worship him. What a privilege it really is. When I, I was preparing to be with uh, your leadership last year, I was just praying the day before and just seeking God, is there anything in particular uh, you want to say? And then I was reminded of a story which happened quite a while ago. And to be honest, I had forgotten all about it until Saturday last week when I was sitting right there, second row. Um, we were having a conference in here. Uh, we were celebrating the Everything Conference and had an amazing day. And as I was sitting there, I did what I hope none of you will be doing over the next half hour. I was kind of losing my focus and my concentration. And I was just enjoying this beautiful architecture and this amazing way you guys have renovated this room. So I, I kind of, yeah, I dazed off a little bit. And, um, and as I was admiring this place, suddenly the thought came clearly to my mind. This is not the church. And then the following thought came, you're going to meet the church next Sunday. That's you guys. You are the church. This is a wonderful building. This is a wonderful venue. But you guys, you are the church. And immediately when that thought came, I suddenly remembered what I shared with the leadership. And I'm going to share that with you as well. Uh, this goes way back uh, in time. So I was a um, senior associate pastor in a city church in Copenhagen, and we had um, taken upon us quite a big project. We had bought a totally worn down building, 15,000 square meters, uh, and engaged in a two-year uh, building and renovation project, and it was huge. Even though there were quite many of us, it was a huge task. And we were totally challenged by the whole thing. And it was also an adventure. Uh, and even though I knew very little about this kind of thing, I was involved in the building project as well. And to be honest, when I visit that place, when I get in there, I look sometimes a bit anxious at the ceiling because I put up some of the <laughs> materials up there. Not in here, don't worry. <laughs> so I, I always send up a prayer, please God, keep it up there. And then I make sure to sit somewhere else in the venue, of course. Um, and then at the end of it, uh, when we were done with this building project, we had a visit from Sweden, a Swedish pastor with, who was known for a very strong prophetic uh, gift. And I proudly showed him this whole building. I took him uh, throughout all the five uh, levels of the building. And I was so excited that I even took him to the basement uh, and <laughs> just showed him everything. And, and then at the end of it, we were standing there together. Uh, I had done all the showing and the bragging, and uh, we were waiting for, for the lift. And then he looked at me and he said, Lars, what needs to happen now is for the Holy Spirit to fill the house. And I just knew this, 
this is God speaking. And um, it just stayed with me. And then a few months later, it actually happened. That is a long story. I'm not going to tell, to tell you the whole story, but to put it shortly, there was a, a very special outpouring. And within a period of two years, we saw more than 50,000 unchurched people coming through our doors. We had around 1,000 people on our Alpha courses, and we saw hundreds of people experiencing healing, and it was an amazing adventure. Very messy at times, but amazing to see God at work in such a way. And I believe that maybe that is a thing for you guys as well. May the Holy Spirit fill his house. May the Holy Spirit fill your life. And may the Holy Spirit fill you as a community. That is my prayer. Now, it is an amazing text that uh, was read to us this morning, wasn't it, from Matthew. Um, I love this text, and it, it's really well known. And Andy, you were reading it really well. It was almost like you were ready to preach the text, actually. <laughs> you were stressing, I could hear that, the points that I will be making <laughs> throughout the preach as well. Uh, but just think about this these words of Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I was dwelling upon it this morning, and I asked myself the question, what does the world need right now? In a, and in a way, I was like, well, this is what the world needs. Rest for our souls. Have you noticed? Our world is quite troubled at the moment. And as Christians, we are not completely isolated from that. I have the privilege of journeying through this steps journey with people from different parts of the world, uh, Christians from all kinds of backgrounds, and also with quite a number of church leaders. And at the bottom line, what I hear all the time is a cry for rest for the soul. And these are amazing, amazing words. What a promise Jesus gives to us here. I will give you rest. There's no doubt, there's no question mark. He will do that. If we come, if we give him our yoke, and if we take his yoke, then rest for our soul will be the result. Now, I don't know how you feel about these words. We hear the words of Jesus and I know that quite many of you would really recognize them because you've heard them a thousand times before. And part of you may actually be a bit like, all right, I already know this talk, so I can kind of think of other things. I can plan my afternoon. But I promise you, you haven't heard this talk before. So please keep listening. As well-behaved Christians, we would nod and we would agree and 
Yet inside, some of us may actually have our doubts, asking the question, how on earth do I really come to Jesus? We may find ourselves at a distance. Perhaps even observes others who seems to be closer to Jesus, others who seem to find help in a different way than I do. And my experience may be that the road to Jesus seems quite blocked. Worries, busyness of life, or worried about not being busy enough, or worried about the dreadful idea that others should think that I'm not busy, doubts about our own value, unhelpful patterns of behaviors, unhelpful thoughts and emotions, those kinds of things. They have a tendency to fill up our inner space. So we believe in Jesus. We believe in the testimonies of people encountering him. We are part of the wonderful worship like a mo on a morning like this. We mean what we sing. We pray our prayers. We are in the proximity of the whole thing. We are in the proximity of Jesus. But I guess some of us feel like we're not really close. So the burdens feel heavy, which means that we are still carrying them without him, doesn't it? Now, Jesus is very clear about it, and it's really logical. Carrying burdens with Jesus is like a mouse helping an elephant carrying a burden. And just to be clear, we are the mice in that parable, right? Now, living a life with Jesus is not free of burdens. That's not what he is speaking about here, not at all. That's not where the difference lies between being a follower of Jesus and one who is not. The difference lies in who we are carrying the burdens with. Now, sometimes we are able to name our burdens, and some of you would be able to tell me this morning exactly what your burden is, but sometimes we don't really know. We just know it's heavy. That's how I felt years ago. And that was basically how the Steps ministry started 17 years ago. I felt so heavy burdened, and I didn't know why. On the surface, my life looked just as it should. Fairly happily mar married to Meta, three normal misbehaved children, a house in Copenhagen, capital of Denmark, if anyone should be in doubt. Uh, the most exciting job in the world. And yet, on the inside, I had this growing sense of being weary and burdened. I had moments where I felt like the whole thing is meaningless, which filled me with, with fear because I was like, I'm a pastor. I'm in the business of meaning. I can't feel like this, so I pushed it away. And I detected a, an anger going on inside of me, which I really didn't like. I didn't really let people see. Of course, my wife would know, but I kept it under a lock. But I knew it. I knew it was there. And I knew it was quite powerful, that anger. 
At the end of the day, we agreed that I should get away for a while and try to figure out what this was about. And I took with me a pile of books about the 12 steps. I did that because we had made the decision that we should create this course because we had a lot of people coming in to our church from the traditional 12-step groups. And my thought was, well, if God doesn't turn up, I might as well use the time in a functional way and then prepare to become an expert to help these poor people uh, figuring out their lives. Honestly, that's how I thought. So I got there to the hotel room. I started to pray and there was nothing. My prayers hit the ceiling and then I, they went straight back again. Nothing. So I was really frustrated. Then I took one of the books, started to read. And this guy, he obviously knew everything about my life. It was like someone just telling about what was going on in my life. Quite scary experience, I tell you. <laughs> and then he came to the point where, of course, he was not talking about me. He was talking about himself. And then he came to the point where he was about to tell why he had all these troubles. And he said, this was because of pride. And in that moment, I shut down the book and I threw it away in the room. I had not seen that coming at all. I was shocked. So I paced back and forth in the room, frustrated, angry, and the rest of it. And suddenly I just saw inner images going all the way back to my childhood of how this pride had developed in my life, how it had made me a very judgmental person, judging others harshly, judging myself even worse. I saw how it had made me a lonely person because I couldn't let anyone know that this was going on. So I had to keep it as a secret, sharing it only with myself, and I hardly knew it myself. I saw how it had damaged my relationship with God and with myself and with others and how much damage it had done. And there was a moment in that room where I, in a way, gave up on my life. I could see this is all over me. This has become part of who I am. I don't know how to fix this. Finally, I got that brilliant idea of going back to the book I had thrown away <laughs> to see, so what happened next? Uh, and that actually became the beginning of my journey into um, finding peace with God and finding peace with myself, finally, and finding peace with others through those 12 biblical principles. It wasn't a quick fix, it was a long journey, uh, really a long one. But along the way, God started to kind of show who he is and in the light of him, I started to see who I am. So he became bigger and bigger and I became smaller and smaller on that journey. I had been living with those burdens for nearly 40 years. So that was my story, what's yours? What are the burdens you are carrying? What kind of weariness do you experience? Do you know what it is? Or are some of you like me, you just know it's there and you feel it's quite heavy, this life. It's not light, it's heavy. 
Now, what happens when we come to Jesus? Well, Jesus says, we learn of him who is gentle and humble in heart. So the Latin word for humble is humus, which means dirt or ground. And humus is the translation of the Hebrew word Adamah, which is a name God gave Adam, the first human being. So why did he do this? Why did he give him that name? Your name is dirt. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a compliment, does it? Well, we see the answer to the question in Genesis chapter 2, where it says that God made man from the dust of the ground. So it had to do with the way God created Adam, us, people. And obviously, it was significant given that he attached a name to it. He could have chosen anything. And then he chose dust. Isn't that interesting? So we see a paradox from the beginning of creation, a paradox which most of us recognize from our own lives. On the one hand, the dust, which in many ways is the most frail and least impressive thing that we could think of, right? Dust is what we get rid of. It's not what we seek. It's not what we go to buy to have more of in our home. I hope not. <laughs> so we have God taking this frail, worthless dust, and then he breathes the most powerful thing into this frail dust, his own breath, his own life, his very own spirit, the most powerful thing there is. It really is a paradox, isn't it? Some of you would know that in contemporary Christianity, in, in the spirituality, we sometimes see a tendency to focus on either one or the other. So either we are dust and we will always be dust and it will always be bad and it will always go wrong and I will fail and then I will fail again and I'm so dependent on the mercy of God and, you know, that kind of spirituality. And then you have the other one. Oh, let's just power through. We believe in the promises of God and if everything doesn't go right, we just need to push through and believe a little bit more. It's not either or, it's right in the middle, actually. Paul has a very illuminating way of describing this. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. He says, when I am weak, I am strong. He says, even if our exterior person deteriorates, our inner being is being strengthened day by day. Interestingly, the paradox is even seen in Jesus Christ. It's said of him that he was crucified in powerlessness, but raised from the dead in the power of God. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus himself says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Is this what Jesus is talking about? When he says, learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. I really believe it is. In a way, the clue is given in the text that we heard this morning. It says that this is revealed 
To whom? Not the professors, not the experts, not the powerful ones, but to the children. And he says this was committed to Jesus, so it means it wasn't produced by him, it was not taken by him, but it was given to him by the Father. Now I think many of us would identify actually with this paradox in our own lives. Have you ever had this experience after a day where things went quite well? You did really well at work or at school or at home. You just said the right thing at the right time and you feel quite on top of the world. And then you come back and in the evening you suddenly look yourself into the mirror and and you suddenly see this frail little person behind your very own eyes. And you're like, oh, it's not just strength, the whole thing. There's a little person in there. And sometimes we experience the opposite. That life is quite challenging, it's quite hard, circumstances are really quite tough. And we are surprised at the strength we actually have to keep standing, to keep going. So we actually experience and see this paradox in our own lives. So, what is this humility and gentleness of heart Jesus is talking about? And this is my definition. I would say it's the acknowledgement of complete powerlessness and therefore complete dependence on the Father, and as a consequence, a growing surrender to his will. In his very recommendable book, Gentle and Lowly, Dane Ortland says it like this. He says, it is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God, not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse into honest acknowledgement that we never will. It's quite interesting, isn't it? So now Jesus invites us. He invites us into community. He invites us to replace the unhelpful patterns of our lives with a very helpful one, his burden. So instead of living a life of fixing myself, I admit my powerlessness and I come to him. And as I come to him, I become more like him, humble in heart. And as I grow in humility, I grow in my deep sense of powerlessness. And this growing recognition of my own powerlessness brings me right back into the invitation of Jesus, come to me. This is the positive cycle of life that Jesus is inviting us into. This is the positive cycle of maturing Christians. This is what a growing life in Christ really fundamentally, essentially is about. We grow by becoming smaller. This is really what it is. How so? Well, you may be a very strong mouse. I think some of you are. You may be a very well-trained mouse. You may own a lot of cheese. You may be the most good-looking mouse there ever was. 
and you may be the most clever mouse that ever existed. But you're still just a mouse, right? Rather be the least impressive mouse in joke with an elephant than the most impressive mouse on the planet. Is that right? Now, if you feel that the burdens are hard and too difficult to carry, if you feel like they are too heavy, it's because they are too heavy. You were not meant to carry them alone. You were not created to carry them alone. Now, sometimes we allow ourselves to be defined by what we are struggling with. Have you noticed? And when we do that, instead of seeking help, we hide away in shame, like I did in my situation of life. And some of us would be struggling with too much love for alcohol. We're thinking about it too much. We are organizing our life around it too much. It has become our way of managing. We don't like it, but we can't really see a way out of it. Some of us are struggling with pornography, and we use the clicks on the remote or the laptop to escape the pressures of life. And we are deeply ashamed about it. But the shame just creates another pressure, and when we feel pressured, we click again, because we have no other way, really, to relieve the pressure. Some of us have created a deep, negative way of thinking about ourselves, to a degree where it feels out of our control. And our inner dialogue is a really bad one. We are giving ourselves a really, really hard time. And we have become our own worst enemy, but we don't know how to stop that inner dialogue. It keeps pushing me. It keeps telling me that I should do better, that it's not good enough. And some of us have become too dependent on our savings and pensions, and we check the balance more frequently than we should, and it preoccupies our mind more than we want. And the list goes on and on and on. Now, whatever we struggle with, it has a way of telling us something which isn't true, a lie. The lie being that this is the real you. This is who you are. You are what you are struggling with. But the thing is, it's not what you struggle with that defines you. I hope you will hear this. It's not what you struggle with that defines you. It's who you are carrying the burden with. That defines you. And the good news is that Jesus is inviting us to take our burdens and to come to him with them. And what happens in that relationship with Jesus is this wonderful exchange. He carries my rather unhelpful burden. And then 
he allows me to be part of his great commission, which is so much of a better life. Can I have the band come up, please? So today is an opportunity for us. I know that words like these can actually be hard to hear, right? Because sometimes we would rather not think about these things. Sometimes it's easier to find ways of escaping these realities that we wrestle with. And even sometimes we would like for the service on a Sunday morning to be just a bit of peace from what's going on during the week. And now I have bothered you by talking about all these, these things. Sorry. But I've done it for a reason. We need to bring these things into the realities of the kingdom of God. Because that's where freedom is. There's no freedom in hiding it away. There's freedom in bringing it to the light. And Jesus invites us right in there. He meets us there. That's where the Holy Spirit meets us. And he gives us new life. And for some of us, I would just practically suggest if you are identifying with some of the things that I have mentioned in terms of repetitive, unhelpful patterns of behavior, well, two things. Number one, today, find someone that you trust and tell her or tell him. And if you don't do it today, it will not happen. It needs to be today. And I would really encourage you to do it before you go home, actually. And there are wonderful leaders in the room who would be more than happy to talk to you. They will keep it confidential. And healing will start in the moment you just say the thing that you have never said to anyone before. I am struggling with. Number two, join the next step scores whenever you start the next one here. Or talk to Sandra or whoever knows about steps here. It is a powerful journey. It is life transforming for those who actually go on it and do the things that we are asked to do in the process. It's not an easy one. It's a tough one. But God is at work through it. And then thirdly, now is the time for the Holy Spirit to lead us into an encounter. And we really need the Holy Spirit. I don't believe we can come to Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Last Saturday, in this very room, sitting there, we, ended, we had this full day of talking about how God uses us in our different arenas of, of occupational life and how God turns up in the right moments and the big calling and the rest of it. And then we ended the day by asking for the Holy Spirit to come. And it was uh, the wonderful Pastor Agu that some of you might know, uh, who came up here. And he, would do, he was doing it in this very simple way. He just said, Holy Spirit, would you come? Come, Holy Spirit. He was pleading with the Holy Spirit. 
We need you, we need you, we need you. So this big man, physically big, he was really tall. And one of those who have kind of achieved almost more than you can dream of in life. Planted, I don't know how many churches, seen thousands and thousands of people come to faith. And one of those, what was he up here? He was a little child saying, Father, without you, Holy Spirit, without you, we can do nothing. It's nothing. Guys, this building is amazing, but without the Holy Spirit, it's nothing. Without you, it's nothing. And without you being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's nothing. So let's pray. Would you stand with me? Holy Spirit, I thank you for your wonderful presence in this room. And you are here with a purpose. And I bless everyone who is here with a hunger for you. So if you have a hungry heart for the Holy Spirit, just open yourself up right now. Maybe lift out your hands just as a way of saying, I receive you, Holy Spirit. I receive you. I can't do this life without you. The burdens are too heavy. Can't carry them any longer. Holy Spirit, come. Beg Him if you need to. Holy Spirit, come. With your healing presence on these wonderful, precious people, your sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, come. Spirit of freedom, you who are freedom, would you come? For those who are under oppression right now, who are trapped in vicious circles, don't know their way out. Holy Spirit, would you breathe on them now? For those who have given up on themselves, would you breathe on them now and give them hope again? Holy Spirit, for those who have felt powerless, would you come to them right now and breathe your presence of power into their lives, I pray, Holy Spirit. For those who have felt unliked and unloved for too long, Holy Spirit, will you come and convince them of the opposite, that they are fully loved by God, liked by God, and accepted by God. Holy Spirit, would you come? I pray, I beg you, Holy Spirit, would you come? I beg you, Holy Spirit, would you come? I pray for a new fire in this place. Pray for a fresh wind over this church. sermon audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.